At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John back here with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles. Today's episode, we're going to go through uh, my public land buck that I killed on November the 9th. My biggest deer that I've killed in Michigan, I think it's the only buck, it's the only buck I've killed on public land. And I don't know, it's kind of like a bittersweet thing. John and I have been going back and forth. Uh, on it. I'm going to let John take the reins on this one. I tried to get Uncle Frank in here, um, but he had to go to bed or something like that. I don't know what his deal was. But Must, must drink too much this uh, holiday <laughs> week or what? Yeah, it was, um, you know, one of his old spots, one of his stomping grounds, and I'll let John get into it, but he told us that that deer was in there and that, you know. <laughs> yeah, he kept telling me, you need to go out there. I'm like, no, I've put enough time in that place to i don't want to deal with it but so november 9th you just got back from up yeah so we you know i we sat on the last uh podcast or the one one previous where frank and my brother and i sat down we came back my wife's birthday is on the 8th and my brother had to be back on the 8th so um we came back the 7th and my wife very very um graciously on her birthday set up for me to be able to hunt. And it was like, I still, you know, all my stuff was all wet, everything rained. It was just, it wasn't a good day um, for me to go out and just come back, unpack, hunt and and go. But um, she had a babysitter for my daughter. So my daughter and I went out to breakfast and I took her and and dropped her off, um, you know, to my ma's and on my way back home, I drove through uh, one of the other spots that I hunt. It was about 11 o'clock. And I see, I, I, I saw what I think was the same deer that I jumped last year. I mean, just a really, really nice buck. Um, that was I, the one out in the, where you the cut corn and the yep. little wood lot that we talked yep. about. Okay. Just yep. wanted to yeah, so I, I driven past there and I, I thought I saw a deer out in the field. So I backed up and actually like pulled my car right up into the, and yeah, it's a, it's a Honda element. It's a hunting public style. Like <laughs> my, I bought a suburban. My wife said, that's really nice. I'm going to drive that. So I'm, I just beat the crap out of this thing. So I pull that up like into the edge of these like soybeans or something. And sure enough, it's a deer. Well, what it was is it was a really nice buck 
you know, especially for, for right there, um, maybe uh, less than a quarter mile, um, you know, probably a thousand yards maybe from where I messed up on that buck, seen him before or whatever, locked down on a doe. And that was the eighth. And I was going home, you know, we, I had to, you know, take care of the other deer that I had shot, go pick up my gear from Frank's house, you know, get it all aired out and sorted out and, and, and everything. And so, but I was like, man, I need to go back and hunt that deer. I mean, that deer's still alive, you know, big deer. I know where he's at. There's a hot doe right there, you know, and I contemplated just going out that evening you know, right. and, and trying to get in that area. I don't go five miles up the road and then there's a dandy buck standing <laughs> on the right, you know, uh, on the, uh, right, out, right along the side of the road and there's two or three does in the field and he's just standing there, just kind of locked down on these does. So I'm like, man, it's, you know, same area. This is kind of happening right now. And it was my wife's birthday. So we went out to dinner that night and I talked to Frank and his buddy Ernie, who was up in the, in the UP with us. And those guys were like, you know, we're going to hunt tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. It's going to rain, snow, whatever. And I was like, so what's the plan? And they're like, well, you said you wanted to hunt the marsh. So we're going to hunt the marsh and we're going to kill whatever. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of ourselves. So <laughs> go ahead and finish. Yeah. So we, we decide that, you know, good. I th- I'm not sure if I told this before or not. Um, this spot is a spot where Frank had hunted for, I mean, how many years? You've, you've hunted out there. Yeah, I mean, years. It was, well, it used to be a private club. And then they, the club turned it over to the state, whatever. They made it a state game area. So, But this is like, I mean, I, but, I've, been, I've been with my wife for like since the year 2000 so like 18 years and it was well before that yeah so 20 plus years for sure public and for the last 15 16 at least um the the, this particular spot i've been hunting out there with frank and just basically i go to either one or two trees that's it but Years ago, I'd gone out there. Frank had hunted the day before. It was right before he retired, so I don't know what year he retired, but it was the the year before he retired. Went out there with he he hunted all day, and he'd seen these bucks just cruising this the edge of this marsh. He was he was on the edge of this marsh, and he'd seen all these bucks. I don't know how many he saw that day, and um, he's like, "Well, we need to go out there." So I went out there. And his boy went out there and we got in there and it was starting to get light. And, and Frank was, I think like maybe like at the same point, like where I was at before starting this podcast and talking to other guys that don't really care if it's light out or not, but he was like, it's starting to get light. This is the tree that I was in. He put me in that tree. He walked Chris, not a hundred yards, probably 70 yards. And there was one tree that was like broke off and Chris climbed up maybe maybe 12 feet to where the tree was broke off. And, and he's like, what? You just got to sit there. That's what, that's what's going to happen. And Frank went on and it was nasty. It was, it was blowing 
you know, I mean, we are in all this marsh grass and it's just blowing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Not a, not like a real awesome, you know, picture perfect day that you would think that you'd want to be hunting. And, uh, so I looked up and I saw, uh, and, but granted we are on like a super heavily hunted piece of public land prior to any sort of antler point restrictions in Michigan. And we were in the, you're going to shoot anything, any buck, any, anything. And I saw like a little, like three point or something come and check the runway that I was on. Maybe like a hundred, 150 yards up ahead of me. I turn around, open up my fanny pack, take some doe piss out, dump it at the base of my tree, screw the top on, turn around, hang it, uh, put it back in there, turn around. And here's a bigger buck, which is like a five point or it was another little mangly horned thing. I, I was hunting Frank's tree. So Frank's the, the, the mutant, mutant slayer. So these were, these deer obviously thought that Frank was in this tree and this deer's at like 50 yards on a runway coming straight to me on a string. I'm drawn back. He's at 40 and this is well before I had any idea of like, the grains of arrow I was shooting, the broadhead, any I, mean, I had what Frank told me, and I knew that 20 yards and pie plate accuracy was going to kill a deer. And this deer was coming in on a string, so he was at about 40. And all of a sudden, he just jumped off the runway and took off for no reason. And the wind was... It, it was kind of in my face. It was kind of like a crosswind. It was, it, it, I didn't, he didn't win me. And, um, so <laughs> as it got light and we got, got set in, I looked over and I could see Chris in this busted off tree. Well, I, I, I look over, you know, I'm at, I'm at full draw and this deer takes off. So I let down, I look over and I can't see Chris anymore. And I'm going, what the hell? Like. They fall out of the tree. Like, what's going on? All of a sudden, I hear a crash. I look behind me, forty yards. There's a bigger buck standing there. I freaking shift in my stand, tight string this sucker, and I'm watching him. And the fucker falls over, like just falls over, stone dead. Now I look over, and Chris is doing the moonwalk <laughs> on his his thing. As soon as I dumped out that doe piss, like. The woods erupted with bucks, and they were just coming, right? I remember which one? <laughs> and, and so that always stuck in my head, and I'd never hunted that marsh again from that day. But I've always said, like, I want to go back to, to that spot, that marsh, that spot. And he's told me a hundred times, "Well, you just go past that little high rise and that, and." You take do a this, left and then, then you take a right and then you'll <laughs> see it changes that you know you'll see it where it comes together and when you look on the horizon and it's like yeah yeah i'm not into that i'm <clears throat> i'm not that that great like i can do i could you give me a bearing on a compass i can go that way right but i even right now i couldn't tell you which way is north where where that spot is um and so now with the advent of onyx and, and granted, you know, I could have taken a GPS and went in there 
uh, any other time. But so I think this year with us going out West and actually learning to, to trust Onyx and to, you know, actually go ahead and use that and, and go forward, you yeah. know, and just, just uh, trust it. I'll say, honestly, <clears throat> I lost my GPS before <laughs> we went out to, to, um, Idaho and I still haven't, I haven't looked for it again, even this whole season. All I've done is use my phone. So, I mean, it might be a bad thing. I mean, I do have an Otter box. It's the iPhone seven. That's like water resistant. So it's not like a GPS that you just drop in the puddle and it's going to be fine. But most places aren't super. Uh, I'm not going to get well lost for days. I might have to stay the night in a swamp, but, well, but I'll I mean, get out in the daylight. Well, and, and you know that's you know listen to the hunting bee stuff, and you know Dan says, well, you know it's not you're not in that big of a woods where you just right. keep walking, and you're going to run into you. You might be in somebody's backyard or something like that right. but you're not going to run into you know like when we were out west we, you'd have been fucked like it would have been a really 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 bad day yeah it would have been dangerous i mean it would have been you know but i can tell you you know you say you're not going to do that when you're standing there with a clip light in your mouth your compass broke off and you got your phone and you're over your boots and your nuts are getting wet and you're stuck and your boots are coming off underneath and you have to like verbally say out loud, like "Don't struggle; it'll only make it worse." Like <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll start to rethink that. I've been there. I've been there. This was before the the whole GPS shit. Right. But well, I mean, I'm holding my phone. I got my bow in one hand, my phone in the other hand, and I'm right. in a, in the little clip light in my mouth. Is it the the green one that, or was it the white? It, one? It was the little white one. Yeah. Well, I had I did that. The one night with the green one because my fine my clip finally broke off <laughs> and i i thought i left my headlamp in the truck but it was in my fanny pack it was just in the compartment i didn't look in but so i had but i ran mine between my fingers on my with bow. your bow yeah, yeah. well and, and that's why i always defer to john because john <laughs> will always figure things out you know a little bit better and and i i can't i can't wait to do another podcast like after the season to kind of like go through our gear because i i did a lot of things with my gear just because john did because i'm like i know that he's gonna figure it out <laughs> and, and then he'll he'll teach me and so hopefully he'll be able to teach you guys um but yeah so so anyways we're we're sitting at dinner and they're like well you said you wanted to go to the marsh so and i've said that a hundred times but they never want to go there so we finally <laughs> so they like, finally say all right well we're gonna go meet at frank's five forty-five, and i get over there a little before five forty-five, and i see the lights on in the pole barn but i've been i've spent so many mornings like sleeping on frank's couch waiting for him to get up or fuck around or whatever shit it's <laughs> He's, Take a shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's but he's not just the most like morning person. And another, this is another reason why I wanted him to be here because he could defend himself. Because but this <laughs> there's is no a, defending that. Though. But this is a hundred percent like this is this is Frank. And uh, but he actually turned out to be in the pole barn, and I went in the house, and I was like just sitting on the couch, just kind of waiting there. We go and go out there. Ernie shows up. We get everything loaded up, and it's. I don't know, six ten, 
Frank says, I got to take a shit. He goes and takes a shit. And then he says, we got to go to the gas station. We go to the gas station. We get some breakfast pizzas, some breakfast sandwiches, some, some snacks. And um, I don't know. How, how long of a drive is it? That's 25, 30, uh, maybe 35 minutes at the most. Yeah. So Depending was, on which way you guys take out there. but Yeah. So it was it was just about getting like it's gray light. I don't say it's gray light when you guys got there. When we got there and then we're messing around. No, I had to take a shit when we got there. That's what happened. But okay. <laughs> either way. Uh, <laughs> it's probably both. <laughs> but... Um, but they're like, oh, we're not wearing our clothes, and it's it's a long walk. And I said, okay. And you know, so we we start walking out there, and we walk. It's like a quarter of a mile to where we we start to head in. And I was thinking back to like the podcast that we've done, and I'm like, it is fucking daylight. And then I was like, well, Zach, you know, this is the exact conversation that I had with him because, you know, you see those guys and they wait until daylight to kind of go in or like right when they can see. So I was like, okay, not a big deal. You know, so I was, I was calm and I was wearing like a pair of sweatpants that I slept in my boots in a regular old sweatshirt and my, my crusty ass server hat that like I've it stinks like it's not it does not smell good at all and we just walk in and we walk in like another half a mile and boy we get to Frank Street so Frank killed a eight point there last year uh five point on October 7th I think um this year this year and he's like I'm not walking any further and it turns out he wasn't walking any further because that was his tree. Right. And uh, he's like, you guys just need to go up there a little bit and head in there. So we <laughs> go up in there and we get to that Jamarsh. And um, the only other time I've been in there and most of the times when I go with Frank is hunt in this tree. Right. And I'm going to go right. that he, way. He puts you in a tree. Like, you sit here. I'll be I'm, over I'll this I'll keep way. going somewhere. But and, it was the opposite this time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not going any farther. Yeah. And so er, Ernie and I get there. And Ernie's like, well, the only place that I've ever hunted here is, like, in this general region. But I don't want to walk any further either. <laughs> so I'm going to go up over here. He's like, from this spot, I'll be... I'll be within 100 yards of this spot right here. He's like, if you go down there, it makes a corner. He's like, you'll see two big woods come together, and there's some some marsh. And one of the things that stuck in my head about that is he said, and all the bucks come out of the thick shit. He's like, every time I've hunted in here, the bucks come out of the thick shit, and there's so much water in here. If they're coming from behind you, you're going to hear them. It's just going to be, they're just going to be splashing. So I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I just, I just literally picked this like gnarly tree, like a hundred yards down the way. I walked to that tree and it 
it kind of looked like it made a point. And the, <laughs> the main reason that I decided on this spot was it was maybe 20 foot circle of high ground. So my stuff wasn't, sure. I could set it down, like not in the water. Right. There was a really big, this gnarly tree was like some big, I don't, I don't think it was an oak tree, but it was just a big gnarly, like just the old, like ancient tree. And there was one little like hard bark, like popple tree next to it. Almost like, you know, like the, it, it couldn't have been cause it was. 15 inches around but like sassafras it was, it was like, like that that's st- that sort of bark oh, sassafras get that big well that, that's the kind of bark that it was right but i was like well this is good as any so i we're running the xop sticks and the air raid stand and so i put my first two sticks up come down hang on my other stick got my other stick in my hand Go up, got my lineman's belt, fuck, dick around, go down, grab my stand, go back up all the way. And where I was trying to get is the tree wide. Well, I don't have, I mean, I I use my tether, like the HSS tree harness thing as another lineman's belt, but generally... Once I get up there, I just put it around the tree and hook onto it, hang the stand, get in the stand, and then set it up. Because of I got up to this Y, I couldn't do that. So I'm just just fucking around with this stupid. I'm and I'm like cursing this hang and hunt setup like the whole time. Like I said, once we get to the <laughs> the gear review. Like, I'm going to give this thing uh, the once over because I think it really helped me. I don't think I gave it enough time to, like, practice and, and make it work efficiently. Who's to say? Because, I mean, I'm it tagged worked. out. <laughs> but it, I I just, I, I'm, I. It's just a whole nother. But outside of being, like, stuck in the tree, I've never been so angry, like, getting into the stand. Like, every single time. Like, oh, I, I mean, you know, I have the opposite. Like, I mean, I've hunted off out of climbers my whole life. I mean, I I did the sticks and hang-ons, I mean, years and years ago. But that was more, it wasn't like the run and gun stuff. It was like hang, hang a stand, it and it. set it and forget it. Exactly. This year, I mean, I've been so angry at my freaking climbers when you get up <laughs> and, you know, you're trying to judge the the diameter of the tree you get up there and it's a little bit too narrow and then i've literally <laughs> i don't recommend this to anyone this is definitely not safe but i would sit on my climbing part pull my tree stand up with one foot hang the other foot down and around it and then i'd undo the the clamp the cable and adjust it <laughs> oh yeah and then get back in it you know Hopefully, and I don't have my, t- I never used the tether or whatever to hold it. So if I dropped it, it was going to slide down to the bottom. I've done that. <laughs> but. No, I've lost it. Oh, <laughs> I've never lost it. Oh, I did that. So I would just put both my feet underneath it. I'd, I'd get them real close and right. I'd put both my feet underneath it. And then I'd just grab it with one hand because with the lone wolf, 
Yes. It's just that cam lock. So you just did that and then I'd pull it tight, do it. And it like, but I would, I, I think that that's the, the, the things like the more practice, I mean, for 10 years or 12 years of using the climber and for the last five or six using that one, like no problem. And this was just like, I, I that's one of the things like, and I was going to ask you about this using the 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 sticks to get into trees that you can't get into with the climber or do you find yourself in trees that you would get in with the climber anyways because i could have gotten this tree with the climber um but i always end up like at a point where i have to start manipulating like my safety system so I have to move it over. I have to undo it. Mm-hmm. I have to hook the other one on. I have to move this one. I have to climb up, set another stick, and then, you know, with branches or or because you're going around and I'm up. going around. I'm going from one tree to another tree to back. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I guess I'm not as safe as you because I mean I shouldn't admit this either, but I screw around with the lineman's belt, but then oh, I got complacent. It was like. Well, when we get to gear. Yeah, because I, I did. I mean, that was the other thing, too. One of the first times I used it, I had my Lyman's belt, and I took off the freaking carabiner, so I was just looping it through itself, through the loop in my harness. And the one time I just, I guess I didn't see it, and I looped it just through the, the loop through twice. Itself. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't go through the actual safety loop. And so luckily that little the tag end that sticks off the tie like caught the freaking the, the loop in your the belt. loop in my belt and i was up there you know 20 feet with all my weight on that and it didn't come undone thank god probably wouldn't hear talk right now but yeah so i'm, I'm so anyway we got a little I, off well, subject it, but i'm farting around with this stupid stupid stand and i'm gonna get one of the i don't know what it quick connect or whatever so if you look on the back of that stand, there's a wedge in it. Oh, and yeah. so you can just put it on there. And he's got them that are there's like three of them like at opposing angles, and then one that's like at ninety degrees. So you can just hang it in there, right? And and then set your the rest of it, right? Um, on the XOP. So. Yep. And so that's that's one of the things that I'm going to get because that's the part that like really really frustrates me. Um, but. So I got that set, went back down, and then I, when I came home from the UP, I was th- I was thinking, like, you know, I put out scent and bucks came from everywhere, you know. So I went and bought some more um, ATA approved Michigan legal scent. But when I was farting around with all my gear, I found those like wild carrot, like tear off pack things that we actually saw when we were at ATA last year. Yep. And I got them in the bow hunter box club box. And so I just stuffed those in my, in my pack and I got out there and I was like, well, I'm going to use those. No, those are synthetic also. Well, or are they legal? Yeah. And well, and that was one of the things like, so (laughs) with, you know, we'll get into this, but like with the CWD area, with the, the freaking ATA legal sense with all that stuff. This being the first year of all these new regulations in Michigan and being 
like 100% forthcoming on like having a podcast and doing everything legal. I mean, you see the way that the hunting public guys are like, well, we can't, we can see the dead deer, but we can't walk over there and get them because we don't have permission. And, you know, we talked to Curtis and he's like, well, I could have killed that antelope on the driveway or the right of way, but I didn't know what, you know, so if you're going to publish it, like you just open yourself up to like a whole bunch of like terrible shit. So I was like, I grab those things, I put them out, and then I freaking go out there and kill a deer, and then I'm like, "What's that legal? Oh, fuck! Like I didn't even think about it, but they they were. I looked at the packaging, and everything was like 100 percent legit. Otherwise, I would, couldn't talk about it. Like you know what <laughs> I mean? Like this, you know. But I 100 percent did not look at that ahead of time. One of the things in the back of my head was like we talked at the guys at ATA, so they gotta be. Right, yeah. He, uh, approved by it. Uh, but, but either way. Yeah, that, he was like super, super knowledgeable. He, yeah, to, Tony Smith. Like yeah. look him up on the let him grow, let him, uh, let him go, let him grow page or, or whatever. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's like really in tune with like the deer herd in Michigan. Super uh, knowledgeable. I mean, we talked, how, how long did we talk to him? Uh, it had to be at least an hour. I mean, mm-hmm. we got in talking about the deer tags and. You know, registering and quotas and all that sort of management, you know, all that. But anyway. Yeah. So I I found these things in one of my totes and I was like, okay. So I went out there and I put out the doe asterisk one. And then I was like, well, I got a rutting buck one. Like, why not put that one over here? So I put that one out too. Turn around, all my stuff's still on the ground. I hook all my bow ropes to my backpack and to my stuff. I put all my my actual warm gear on now grab onto the sticks and I look up and I had not noticed that there was a freaking ladder stand like 50 yards, 80 yards. I don't know behind me. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, and, and I think one of the reasons why John doesn't hunt out on this property or he won't go out there or whatever. Cause he looked at, you know, maybe a half a mile down the road, we both went in there and scouted all over and we were comparing Onyx and it's like, did you see this stand? Did you see that stand? Did you see this stand? Did you see that? It was like, you can't go, you know, and these stands are 50 yards off of a, a two track or like the old, like tote road. I mean, you can see them from just walking right. down there. And so, you know, those are the kind of hunters, and I i don't know. I mean, that's one of the things that I can say that, that makes this bittersweet or whatever because, like, those are the kind of hunters that are there. I mean, there's a ladder stand right there. Now, Frank will adamantly tell you up and down, like, that's a gun hunter. That's, you know, that's the only reason that he was back there. I mean, it was .99 miles from where we parked to... Where you were at. Where I was at. He also, he'll be like, I told you that buck was there. And those guys are, you know, they're gun hunting. Uh, plus he was like, that tree stand's been there for years. Ain't no one's hunting that. Ain't <laughs> no one hunting that one. So, so anyway, I was just like, you know, it was 830. It was 830 in the morning. It was well after light. I got up there. I I got in my stand and I was just like so angry. Like <laughs> I 
at that point, I, it's like, what, what the hell is the point? Well, and I, <laughs> I mean, I, to myself, I said, I should just go sit in that fucking stand. Like, it, you know, right. I mean, he's been in here. Like, I'd, I'd. Spring has some nice shooting lanes. Yeah, I've never been in this, <laughs> never been in this tree before in my life. I just walked in here. It took me a half hour up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Lots of freaking dicking around. And, you know, this guy could come walking in right. at, at any point because we're, you know, in, in Michigan six days before gun season on a Friday, you know, <laughs> he could have just wandered in there and. You never know what you're going to find in the woods. Drop his carrots or whatever he was going to do. Now, right. not legal in this. Not this that area. So there was, there was none of that. And, um, so I was, I, you know, I, th- I think I was telling John, like, I didn't take my stinky hat off and I think I put my hex, uh, head net on and that was it. And I was just sitting there angry and it was like snowing, raining, like, and everything was like, kind of like a nice coat of white. And then as the day went on, it started to get like melty so it was like i'm gonna put some videos up i took some videos like after like just with my phone like after everything happened and i took a couple like just a pan to show like where i was at but just for for like an example like when i let my bow down it was underwater so that's the amount of water that was there every it's like i don't know i feel like with the learning about the beast style hunting and the how to get away from guys and and so this year i kind of like sought out water now that doesn't necessarily play in here i didn't know that there was going to be as much water as there was here it just turns out that everywhere that i hunted this year there just happened to be an exorbitant amount of water so there was it it was a wet year and there was a lot of water every single place that i was at so with these videos you'll see that (laughs) there's a lot of water but you it was just so loud like it was you know when all the stuff starts coming off the trees everything is loud um, and so I was just sitting there just stewing like this is stupid. And we were going to sit until noon. I think they said we'll sit until at least noon. And, and aside from that fact is that everywhere else that I've hunted this year, every, I have not sat in a tree once this year and had cell phone service either so there was no like texting frank or ernie and it turns out ernie was less than 100 yards away from he could see me i didn't realize that um but well when you said he was going to be within 100 yards and you walked 100 yards down well i was i mean he could have went 100 yards the other way i didn't know he was going to just right get up a tree um but either way so i'm just sitting there and you can't hear anything. You know, it, it sounded like there was some things going on, like in front of me, but I didn't hear like a big splash. And I just heard like, you know, 
just noise. And then all of a sudden, like what I heard, like, you know, what, when I hunt, I don't know, maybe, maybe everybody else does too, but like the guys that you listen to are the guys that are always like in the back of your head, whether it's your dad or an uncle or, or like whatever. But, you know, I heard Ernie say, you know, if they're behind you, you're just going to, you're going to hear them first. And it, it was like, sploosh, 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 sploosh. And I look up and here's a, a deer coming right out in front of me, just off to my left. And by the time, like I figured out like where it was coming from and what was happening, he was about 40 yards away and it ended up being a spike. Like he had, he wasn't a spike like in the UP where they're just like these little tiny, like little, I mean, it was, these were good size spikes or whatever. And, uh, I got up and I picked up my bow and I like looked at him and I was like, you know, you already shot a deer. We're going to shoot a spike in, in Michigan. You know, your second tag is reserved for four on one side or better. However, this is in the CWD core area, so you can kill anything. Right. And they want you to kill anything. They want you to, yeah. And and so I'm, like, looking at this deer, and I'm going, like, ah, you know, I don't know. And you guys had talked about this before. Well, and that was the thing is, like, I, like, ranged and, like, where he was at and where he was going. He was, like, 40 yards. Like, that was, like, the thing. And so he had kind of gotten past that, but I already got my bow up, and I was, like, well, I talked to Ernie. He shot a small deer in the UP, and he was like, oh, I want some – I'm going to shoot anything, anything that's legal for venison. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so then I then I made the decision. I was like, well, if I get an opportunity, I'll shoot him. And it's it's like so like like that internal struggle because – I've talked to a lot of people that are smarter than me when it comes to CWD and things like that. And the answer is always, you just have to kill all the deer. Like, what are you going to do? Like you brush it out of the rug. You know, you can talk to like any Joe blow out there who, I, I guess it's, it's completely split because there's a large faction of the population and, and they may be 100% right that say that it's a something that's being drummed up by the politics in Michigan and insurance companies insurance companies and and, and that Michigan doesn't know how to manage a deer herd now that we can agree on but in talking with you know large animal veterinarians and conservationists and people who've been affected by CWD every single one of them has the same thing as like a you don't want it and b you got to get rid of the herd to to manage it and so I have that in the back of my head but I also have in the back of my head myself saying well it should be a one buck state blah 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 blah. got this internal struggle going on well in i i was joking with john because i'm i'm sitting here i'm always like staring at his bow with the with the the camera mount on it and this year after i fell down in the water and just about ruined another camera and all that and i said well i'm not i'm 
I don't get that many opportunities. I've already killed a deer. It's not going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't have any of my filming, um, stuff with me, but we had the conversation of if you're only going to shoot any buck, you only see does. If you're waiting for a buck, you see does. If you're, and, and this is not, you know, this is all 100% dependent upon how much time you've put in. Like we're, we're talking early Michigan bait pile hunters or, you know, weekend warriors or, or, or whatever. So it's been my experience. If you're waiting for a buck, you'll see a hundred does and have a hundred opportunities. If you're going to shoot any buck, it's all does. If you're going to shoot a big buck or a doe, you see small bucks. And if you're filming, you don't get any opportunities. <laughs> so that's, I've been ribbing John about that like this whole time. Right. So, <laughs> well, but <laughs> I could have shot does and small bucks yeah. and whatever. And I, I got some on film. <laughs> I didn't get the big buck on film because I didn't hit the record button. But anyway, it's not. <laughs> but, but this, uh, this spike goes walking by and I pulled a can call out of my pocket and I can called him and he stopped and he must have stopped like right underneath that ladder stand, like on the same little patch of high ground. And I was looking over there and I reached down into my backpack, got my binoculars out and I was looking at him and, and whatever and was kind of looking around and the, he just all of a sudden disappeared. So I got my binoculars out and I'm looking cause I didn't hear him like splash away. You know, and I got a little, I got out my grunt tube. I did, I was, I would like, it's funny because I had message back and forth from, with one of the guys from the deer hunter podcast talking about Todd mm-hmm. and like his tree thrashing and, right. and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, but the, what I did take away from his podcast was like the one grunt thing Mm -hmm. so i gave like one little soft grunt just just like a little that was it and then i put the grunt tube back away and i set the binoculars down on the seat of my tree stand and i was just sitting there and i was i was i i assumed that that deer had to been still right there right because i didn't hear him splash away but nothing and i looked at my watch and it was like nine forty-five or nine, yeah, nine forty-five, and so I was just standing there, kind of looking around. And about, I think, like about five minutes went by, and then all of a sudden I heard like crack, sploosh, 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 and I looked up and I just saw tines, like right from where that deer had come from, and then right above him was that spike. And I was like, I still had my bow in my hand. And I was like thinking like, I'm going to knock my fucking binoculars off of the stand because I <laughs> just set them there. <laughs> well, I just set them there. And then normally what I do is I just like kind of like back up and, and push the seat up. So right. I like mentally was thinking like, don't, don't, don't do that. And I was like, should I try and can call him? Should I try, you know, should I try and do something else? And I was like, well, I'm just going to wait. And I figured he was going to go the same way as the other one. And he, he got to that like point and like made a turn and came through that like little brushy point. So I just drew from the hip 
And I was like, you know, I had like basically like my thumb, like basically at my belt loop and I had my bow drawn and I was kind of waiting for him to see what he did. Cause I knew it was going to be like about 40 out there. And he just came right like on a string, right to that scent. And he was still behind that stuff. And he was maybe 20 yards away, I think. And I anchored and I got in and I was looking at him through the peep and I, I, I had it like right on him. I was just kind of following him with it. And he did the same thing that they all seem to do. And I think I was talking to the, the taxidermist and I think it's because of using scent, you know, why they're always coming in like the same way. Cause the six point that I shot this year in the UP, I shot right between the shoulder blades. Cause he's looking at me. The one in Ohio, I shot right in the neck because he was looking at me. And this one, I mean, I was just following him and he looked up and I put the pin right at the white spot, like underneath his throat. And I just, again, these people that you hear in the back of your head, you know, you got to get an arrow in them. You know, bow hunters are opportunists. You know, you'll hear them. Shot him in the throat again. I heard Frank say, you shot another one in the fucking throat. (laughs) So I just waited (laughs) and he took like two more steps and he was quartered to me, but pretty good put it right behind the shoulder and shot. And there's been very few instances. I either like I shoot him in the neck or I don't get like, I never get like that per picture. Perfect. Like broadside shot. I mean, I've shot a few of them like that, but it, something usually happens. I hit a branch or something. And this one just went pow. Like I heard it. Like, you know, you heard the diaphragm I heard pop. the diaphragm pop and the deer just turned and just walked away. And I, I looked down and I could see the arrow. And I'm shooting like they're three and three quarter giant white four fletch with a, a a white wrap. And it was just bright like crimson red. And the grass was just sprayed with blood right there. And I'm just watching him walk away. And he was just like he walked like 40 yards and turned. And then he was like a mime on an escalator, just going down, 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 just fell over. And I was like, no shit. Like the spike that I saw there was like right before that moment was, man, I just hope I see a deer out here. And then for it to play out the way that it did. And so in a week, I killed two bucks, which I've never done in my life. Killed them both with a bow. They both died within eyesight. And this buck was a nice buck, you know? So I grabbed the binoculars off of the seat. The seat <laughs> and I look and I'm like, oh man, he's got like another time. Because I've said many times, like I don't look at, I've done looking at the antlers just from my dad's right. like little story. And I was like, man, I can't believe like, like that just happened. And that's like a really nice, buck. Well, that's a nice buck, you know? So I waited like a half hour and you, that's like the hardest thing because <laughs> the fucker's stone dead laying right, right there. And he's not moving. And it's 10 o'clock and these guys want to sit till noon. I can't text them, you know, <laughs> I can't do anything. I'm just standing there. So 
I wait like a half hour. I get down, I go over there and I look at my arrow and I'm like, this is crazy. And so I like, I, well, I did like a little like interview on my phone. Like I, I'm going to put it all out there, you know, for everyone to, to see I'll probably put it on like the Patreon account first. Yeah. Um, and then, then put it out like later, but I'll show, I'll put the recovery up, um, tonight just before the, I get finished editing the podcast, but it was just like so surreal. So I get down and I go over there and it's just like, <laughs> so that was, that was Friday morning. Right. Mm-hmm. So to backtrack a little bit, I was heading up North with jet Thursday night. And when I picked, he had driver's training. So we had, I had to go pick him up at driver's training at like seven o'clock. And that night was like perfect. Cause that was like, you were saying you'd seen the two different bucks. Mm-hmm. which would have been Thursday also. Mm-hmm. Just right down from our house, I seen one of the nicest bucks. Damn near ran out in front of the road, right on our, right on the power line or the pipeline over here on Staple Road. And then their whole way up that night, we seen bucks chase. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a great weekend. And the morning was good. Mm-hmm. Friday morning was good, but it was, you know, it was that wet snow. But up north, we got even, we ended up getting over six inches of wet snow. So, you know, and I got that picture of that buck that you sent. I'm like, Adam just smoked a 10-point, man. He got a nice one, you know. Well, yeah, we were coming. So that's one of the fun. Like, So to backtrack even further is my brother has a really nice 8-point behind his house, like similar to the one that I shot, similar to that 10-point. But I thought it was a 10-point, actually. The whole time we were in the UP, my brother came back to go to that uh, event that he had to go to and then he had to work on Friday I told him I said I'm going to hunt Thursday morning I'm going to kill that buck behind your house <laughs> and so as, <laughs> as soon as we got like able to take pictures and everything with the buck that I killed the first one I told Ernie I said the first picture that I'm sending to anybody is my brother and I did too I said did you hunt this morning and he goes no and I said, you should have. And he goes, yeah, probably. And I sent him a picture of just me holding that <laughs> buck up. And then I said, I shot that deer behind your house. And then like immediately he goes, what? And then it goes, the one behind my house is an eight, not a 10. He's like, where'd you get that? <laughs> but I told him the whole week we were up in the UP. I told him, I said, as soon as we get back, I'm going to go kill that deer behind your house. <laughs> so, that, so that was fun. So then back to the story, you know, I'm like, we got, I'm like, well, we, we were out of reception, phone reception. Yeah. I was up north till, I didn't get back till Sunday night. And then I'm like, well, then I got to talk to you. I'm like, so tell me the story. What, you know, and then you're, you tell me how you bleeded at the, the spike horn. I was like, well, what were you just screwing with the spike horn? Why were you bleeding at the spike horn? I was going to kill it. That's what I was like. I- <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, I didn't know the backstory. I mean, obviously, I know the area you're hunting. You know, it's the CWD area and stuff. But I didn't know, you know, the context behind it with, with Ernie and Frank. Like, you guys are just going to shoot deer, shoot deer, kill whatever. And I was like, well, it worked out good. You freaking, the, the spike didn't come in, but the freaking 10 point came running in. Yeah. And, that, you know, so, again, it's it's the... 
that like internal struggle type thing of like, what are you going to do? And, and again, so what we talked about earlier, so I shot that deer at, you know, before 10 o'clock by the time all was said and done, we didn't get back to the, the truck with the deer until four, um, because of where it was at. And, uh, we brought it over to Ernie's cause my other one was hanging at Frank's and put it on the scale. It was 182. And the next morning when I came and picked it up, it was 177. Um, so with water and blood and, and whatever. Um, but it was in the CWD area and that was the last thing that I had thought of, you know, like. So you took a deer out of it. I did. And I went and like, you know, we just went, went home, started drinking. Like it was a great day. And I get up the next day and I was actually talking to one of my buddies because the next day was the 10th and 10th is the Marine Corps birthday. So I was calling all my Marine buddies and talking to them. And one of them was hunting up in Traverse city. So I was like looking up the regulations for him and I was like, son of a bitch. Didn't even think, I didn't even think about it. So like I called our local CO and I was like, I was like, Chris, like, like I fucked up. Like I shot this really big deer, you know, like a buck of a lifetime public land for me. And like, I took it out of the area and like, I, you know, what do I got to do? And he's like, Oh, you got 48 hours. Don't worry about it. So I went, it was, my wife was working or she, no, she was on a bus trip for her birthday. So I loaded up my daughter. We went up, got the deer, took it to the check station, got everything all straightened out. But I was like, I was like, I was like, they're going <laughs> to take, been bad. I was like, this is going to be the best deer of my life. And it's just going to be confiscated because I'm an idiot. Best deer in Michigan. Cause well, <laughs> yeah. It, this, you know, and and that's what the the hard thing is that deer in Ohio was humongous. I mean, you could add my both my Michigan bucks together, and I still don't score the same as as that one. Right, but your six point here is probably heavier than the buck down there, as far as weight. Yeah, yeah, weight. oh yeah. I mean, body size because that was a really small body. Yeah, it, I mean, it had well, especially when the ticks fell off it, it lost like. Yeah, about Five 40. Pounds. I was going to say about 40. You know? <laughs> There's a bazillion ticks in that son of a bitch. But yeah, and and that's one of the things too. That deer that I killed is the biggest deer I've killed in Michigan. And as far as body size, huge. Um, I took it. It's actually at the taxidermist right now, and I have to take the rest of the head and all that stuff back in. And I really want him to age it. Um, when I take it in, I'm not just going to dump it in the box. I'm going to actually have someone look at the jaw and tell me. And that's a funny thing too, because if you're, if you're following along with social media or anything like that, and you're looking at Michigan and it's conspiracy theorists or whatever, um, bucks that you think are younger are being aged about a year older by the people at the check station. And so our taxidermist, he shot one, he took it in or maybe it was, maybe it was one that he had seen. And he's like, I aged it at like three and a half. And they said four and a half at the 
check station and there's volunteers there and there's, you know, other people there, but on the let them grow, let them, let them go, let them grow thing. And, and some of the other Michigan QDMA sites on Facebook, they've been showing pictures and saying like, I would age this deer here. The guy at the check station said, yeah, but we're going to call it a four, hmm. you know? Um, so I don't know if there's an agenda there, there either. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting right. dynamic is what's going on. And I, I don't know, it's a conspiracy theory type thing. And I think the further that you get into it. Right. So, well, I mean, all right. Well, but I mean, if not to go down the whole other rabbit hole, but what would be the purpose for them to but if, say that? But if you're bitching about age class, or, uh, Michigan's actual deer management, do APRs work? Right. Um, those types of things, then you would say that. Oh, well, it, we shot a. Well, but if you're looking at the deer that are checked in. Right. And you're looking at whatever you can report across the country. You can say, and I actually heard it on the, the, one of the latest, uh, media podcasts where Mark Kenyon had said like the average age class of buck in Michigan used to be 1.5 and it's exceeded that now. Right. Um, so if, and then it's going by the check stations basically. So right. and then if they're fudging the numbers up, right. They're making it look and, better and than what I'm, it is. I'm not saying that that's what's happening. I'm just saying right. that that's... I'm just, just trying to get a perspective on but it. But that's the... The theorist? That seems to be, from from multiple accounts, like on social media, there's social media warriors, but like talking to the taxidermist, and he's saying like, uh, I see, I mean, I don't know how many deer he, he sees, but... A lot. And he's saying, I would have aged it at this... But the check station said you're a year older. So it, it it kind of all like lines up. But one of the things I want to talk about about this particular hunt versus the one in the UP was in the UP I went out, scoured our property for buck sign, and I missed a bigger buck sitting in a old stand and ended up killing this buck in a spot where I had found myself set up myself and it, it felt a lot more validated than going to a spot. And I, I knew that this spot is where deer cruised bucks cruised. That's why I wanted to be there, but I had no idea that there were big deer like that. Like I was happy just to see a deer. Right. And I think that, you know, going into, public land on some level you would think that on every hunt you would think what happened there is what you hope for every single time right that's what your that's what the plan is right when you left the truck right but sitting in that stand that day i was thinking god i just hope i see a deer not right, i hope i see this deer or like i'm hunting this spot for this reason for this you know yeah, because we had talked about this before the podcast, and it was like you were kind of saying, like, "Wow, well, I was kind of feeling like it was less than a little less than because I didn't do the." I'm like, but the thing about it is, is 
you wanted to go to the marsh. You wanted to be back in there. I mean, so there was a reason that you were there. Not there wasn't a reason you were in that exact tree, and that you know you turn around and look, there was a stand right there, fifty yards behind that. That all that stuff is just you know besides the point. You wanted to be back there. You didn't do the homework, but you'd you'd been back there years ago, and so we also talked about like one of your brother's hunts who had just killed a really nice buck, a dandy buck, but he had kind of mentioned how it was kind of empty to him, like, or it wasn't, it was boring. He said this, huh? Yeah. Boring. But, I mean, I guess it's all in the perspective of the, you know, the hunter, but, I mean, you're on public land, there's freaking people everywhere around, and you're like, I'm going to go back, I want to go back in there went back in there and it just happened i mean it was the right day right time right place i mean and and you called that the little spike horn and <laughs> he said see and the 10 point come running it so it worked out the whitetail gods were shining down on you from do, probably from all the other the all the homework you did on all the other spots They're like hey put his time in all right well and that's you know i talked to my buddy mark and he He's like, well, tell me the story. I'm like, nah, I just fucking got lucky, you know? <laughs> and he's like, it's funny how the harder you work, like, the luckier you get. But I don't know. I mean, well, I worked hard, but I didn't work hard on that spot. I just right. went to the... But, but that's the, that's what I'm talking about. I went about, to those. something comfortable, you know? Yeah. I, but... Not uh, a mile back in the swamp <laughs> is not comfortable. But, and going over your boots and shit, so... No, that wasn't comfortable, but I think, I think that's the, the, like the end all of it is I never hunted outside of being on our property in the UP and even on our own property there. I hunted in the same tree twice, once in the morning, once in the evening. I've, I never hunted in the same on public land or wherever else I hunted, I never hunted in the same tree. I never even really hunted in the same, I hunted in the same vicinity. Um, but always trying to like push a little bit further, a little bit further, trying, trying to get, to get a better vantage. Like, but I don't, I don't think I ever had like that, like observation sit where I just want to sit and see everything was like, further and further and further. And we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast or prior to the podcast was the, the real luck versus time in is going to be next year and like continued success right. because I, I really think that this year and everything with the podcast and everyone that I've interacted with on social media or like, you know, not just guests on the podcast, but people that I've, I've, I've talked to and like, kind of like pick their brains. And I've just tried to pick up as much information, you know, as I could, because like I said before, like, I don't, I don't ever feel like I was really like, truly like hunting. I felt like I was like, I was out there, but I didn't hunt with a purpose. One of the, one of the things that's like, almost like, like super validating for me is, um, my buddy Eric, he hunts 
um, public land up near where I was hunting. And um, he he was hunting this spot in, I mean, he's been hunting it for years. He's got a lot of really big deer on camera and it just wasn't ever working out for him. He killed some deer there, but the big ones, he never had the opportunity to kill or, or whatever. And then this year, you know, he and I had been talking a lot back and forth about, you know, how he's hunting these spots. And I actually showed him like, I didn't know where he hunted. He had told me, you know, he hunted off of this, this road or, or whatever. And my uncle had some property up there and I was just looking at properties like the state land that's around where my uncle has a, a, a cabin. Cause I was like, well, I could bring my trailer up there. Or like I could use that as a jumping off point. And I put a pin on a map and he says, I was showing him like, these are the spots. Like, are you near here? And he looked at one of those pins and he said, why did you choose that spot? And I was telling him, this is what's going on. This is what I was thinking. And he goes, my dad has a blind, like exactly where that's at, you know? And, um, so we just got to talking and we were talking. He, he has a buck that's bedded like in this one particular spot and he didn't realize it. He's just like, every time I walk in there, I jump a deer right here. Well, in looking at it, there's a big valley and there's a big giant field. And so he just has the wind as back, you know, knowing nothing's going to come from, from in front of him there in the valley. And so he starts walking in through this field and this deer jumps up and runs through the valley. And this year wasn't that deer. It wasn't that, that spot, but back in where he was hunting, he killed the biggest deer that he's killed ever. He killed it on, you know, public land. And I think he messed up on a bigger one or I know his son messed up on a bigger buck, but there were so many times where he said, you know, and just recount. Cause I wanted to, I was like picking his brain to see like how it all worked. And he said, there were so many times where he got out of work and he was like, I should be hunting. Like I need to go hunting, but the wind's wrong. And he's like in years past, like just I would have just went. And that's what I tried to do this year. But, you know, and having those conversations and, you know, hunting with a purpose, um, I think has been, been more important. So like going forward, like recreating, like any sort of success. I think that's what the main thing for me this year was, was like hunting with a purpose. Mm-hmm. It might not have been a purpose in a sense of, well, I have this deer on camera. Or I have this bed or I have this, this, but I want to go, I'm going to hunt this spot because of X. Right. And maybe there's a little bit of validation like in that. And like, don't get me wrong. You could be like, screaming at your like however the fuck you're listening to this thing like you're validated in that you kill that deer i mean 100 percent, but it's like you're 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 trying to not be you know a one-hit wonder or elmer fudd you know like (laughs) you know just wander out there i mean 
Because well, that would be the one hit wonder. That's why you're you're gonna prove yourself by doing it. Year. I mean, there's gonna be years where you don't kill a deer. I mean, depending on how you, you know. Oh, I mean, I've could I this year I could have been tagged out. I mean, possibly. I mean, if I wouldn't have screwed up a shot or something, but I've had multiple small bucks. You know, a nice little six point had one really nice shooter buck that actually was excited i I mean this buck was going to be dead but just didn't work out he came in turned around that's a whole nother story and so did you listen to that um the last meteor podcast like the self-loathing whitetail one i just started i didn't get to finish it well they talked about something in there and i was i thought about you in that is because they were talking about lower age class deer and how, you know, however it relates to, um, like human intelligence or whatever, like as you grow right. older, but they said like certain age class bucks up to like a certain point, like even like a two and a half year old buck, like they wind you or something and they blow and they take off. And they said like a mature deer, like the three and a half, but they were talking mostly about four and a half is like, they get to that point and they just get small and kind of like back up and slink away. Right. They don't, they don't want to make a spectacle. They don't even want, like if you didn't notice them, they don't want you to see them. And then I was thinking about that deer that, that you would. Right. And that's why I said, this was a a dandy buck. I didn't count the points. I just knew I, I seen him. All of a sudden I heard a crunch and from the, area i was expecting them 70 yards out i seen a deer coming through and then i've seen horns you know wider in his ears and at that point i was like camera i was trying to get the camera ready and i flipped it on and i i must have hit the record button like as it was booting up because i know i hit the button but it just didn't it, it didn't record not that i was even really aiming it at that point I was just getting ready. I'm like, I'm not going to blow this shot for a camera because it was a definite nice buck. And wind was straight out of the north. He was coming straight in from the west, but it had that little bit of a, I mean, I'm in the swamp with the puddles and so that wind can do screwy shit. And he just came in and he got right to 17 yards. And 17 yards, man, that's, he's in your box at that point. I mean, it's a lot of shit can happen. He's in your zone. And I never walked in that area. And all of a sudden, just he just stopped. Never looked up or anything. Just just steady walk. And all of a sudden, just something wasn't right. He just turned, turned right around. And just, he never flagged. He never blew or nothing. Just, like you said, just kind of shrunk up and just walked right back. Because he, he went right back the way he came because he knew... That was safe. Where that same morning, I filmed that six-point. I showed you. I got it on film. This six-point come through uh, 20 yards behind me, stopped in my shooting lane at 20 yards, walked down past, ended up downwind of me, checked the scrape, and had his nose in the air and everything. And, you know, that's the difference between those bucks. I mean, and I told my son that, too. I'm like, that's the difference between an immature buck that's down there my wind's blowing right to him where this buck, the mature buck come in and I had a marginal wind and he got, he just got enough of something that 
He knew something wasn't right. And he's like, nope. He turned and went. I mean, so. But, I mean, it was. I've had a really good season. I haven't killed anything yet. I mean, a lot of it was due to, you know, like that six point, three point. I could have shot some does. I got some decent footage on, you know, my main purpose this year was I carried that freaking camera arm around with me. The one day I carried the camera around all the way out to the freaking tree and then go to put it up. And I forgot the fucking camera in the truck. I was like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> but then, you know, weather, weather permitting, there's been quite a few days where it was, you know, wet and rainy. And, you know, I still have the camera arm and the camera with, but I just don't bring it out of the bag. But Well, so that's one of the things we talked about, too, is that John and Frank, you know, they have a lot of season left. And they still got tags. So I'm trying to work it out so that I can go and, and film them and, and we can get some good, you know. Uh, that's what I wanted to do this year was kind of like work in teams and like get some like filming done. And it just, it's been every man for himself. Like I, <laughs> and it's, you know, you could say that that's all me because I'm the guy without the tags and I don't have anything on film. So my fault, right? <laughs> but but realistically, it's just like everybody isn't like quite like on well, on the board is like, and I I completely understand what you're saying because like that's one of the things for me now, like because I was like, oh, it's really cool. Like my brothers and I all killed deer on the same day, but like now my sister, like I need to get my sister. She she hunts pretty hard for for being a very millennial young <laughs> woman. Um, but she just hasn't been able to close the deal. And so I think it'd be fun to like film her, but then just be able to kind of like what you're doing with jet is kind of like mentor him and be like, right. Wait, hold on. Kind of like what Taylor was talking about with the like land, like homeowners or whatever. I can't, I can't really use that as a landowner. You got a <laughs> half of an acre. A million dollar mansion, like I don't know, right? Um, but just to say, like, wait, 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 okay, you know, calm, yep. So, hopefully, this year and and you know, like your season last year, snow hits the ground, you just go out and just start shooting them, right? Yeah, (laughs) just I mean, like, the yeah, it's nice, it's nice to be able to get it done on you know, early season, but I just I know we can get it done in in the late season, but so that I am heading out to uh, do some bird hunting this weekend out in Iowa. Maybe I'll get some decent info on some uh, you know whitetail grounds out there, but it's pretty tough. It's hard to get any out there. Well, I'm just hoping that John's gonna go out there. He's gonna meet some some old uh oil tycoon or something that just like really loved deer hunting it's got this property it's totally managed up and uh john meets him in the bar and the guy's like yeah come over shoot all these and well actually i i mean that's that's kind of the property that i'm going to it's my buddy mark's bird hunting spot and although mark is just he just got back into bow hunting this year on that uh, his elk trip which they, you know, they were unsuccessful. They had some opportunities, but, but yeah, this spot 
the landowner has he don't hunt he just he's got some monster bucks on it well here's the thing and i'm just gonna bust john out on this and so (laughs) i don't think it's any big secret that john follows pretty closely along with john dudley (laughs) but he has like google mapped his house and he can see from like Google Earth, like, all of the runways, like, where he walks out to, like, all of his targets. (laughs) So he knows, like, exactly, like, where his house is. So, I mean, I really hope that that's kind of, like, the area that you're going in Iowa. Honestly, I don't even know where. uh, Where where, you're going. Yeah, where we're going. I just know it's, like, a six-hour drive, so we're going to leave early Thursday morning. We'll be there for the afternoon hunt. Hunt Friday and Saturday, and we got to be back because our wives decided they wanted to go to the uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra or something like that on Sunday. So, <laughs> hey, we're gonna go right from the the, the fields right back right into the freaking orchestra. <laughs> well, the next time that we get back and. So John and I need to do, like I said, I want to do like a gear breakdown and I really want to do a video on how John carries his shit versus the way that I do, because I want to know how John carries his shit. I know that he uses with his exo pack, everything goes like very, very nicely and, um, kind of like a a better way. So I think one of the next podcasts that we're going to do, um, just he and I is going to be how everything is played out like for the rest of the season, things we're going to change up with our gear and um, um, kind of like what we're working towards. Uh, I was talking with my brother about it this morning. I mean, I, I mean, I talked with the taxidermist about the same things. Like uh, we set everything up to shoot these fixed blade broadheads for going out West. I saw no reason in changing their, an inch and an eighth cut, which is tiny. I mean, comparatively to a two and three quarter rage or something like that. Right. But if you were to go small study, small sample size, they're the best goddamn broadheads in the world, right? Because I shot two deer and they didn't go a hundred yards between the two of them. But right. I mean, I mean, would a rage have done the same thing? I, you know, I don't know. And so I want to go back through and, and talk about like our gear and, 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 and all of that, just in the sense of how everything has gone and, and played out like through the system with clothing. And, you know, I was talking to somebody else, um, on Instagram about Michigan clothing and how to set up a system from October to January. And I think we've got some pretty good insight on that with the way that we built our systems for out West and how it transitioned into like the way that we're, you know, hunting now. Cause yeah. it didn't, wouldn't make any sense to just buy that stuff and be like, well, I'm only going to use it for right. two no, weeks and, for the year. And that was my, my whole point when I bought my whole system was, you know, the one coat is actually for, you know, whitetail. It's got the, you know, the harness hole in the back of it and stuff. But yeah, it's, I definitely changed some of the things up with my my layering system. Yeah, but. so I, I think I think like going forward and one of the next things we're going to talk definitely to my brother um, 
from his hunt going out to South Dakota and talk about a little bit of uh, South Dakota deer hunting uh, out there as whitetail or um, mule deer and a lot of the opportunities for public land hunting out there. Um, and uh, I've got a bunch of different guys lined up to talk to, a lot of local um, type guys. But if there's anything that you guys want to hear about or anyone that you'd like for us to, to reach out to and, and talk to, I mean... What I'd like to know is if anyone out there has tried any of the those the new like heated soles. Those those I think there's some are even like Bluetooth now. Have you seen those? I've I've heard of them. I've not like done but, any research on them. I have the worst circulation in my feet. Freeze. It don't matter which boots I wear. And this this year with the last weekend when it was cold like that. I mean, that last morning I couldn't wait to get out of the stand. I couldn't hardly. I thought my toes were going to break off. but So if anyone's tried those, send us some feedback and let us know which ones are good and how they work because that might be the next gear purchase <laughs> for me. <laughs> I might sell one of my bows to <laughs> buy some of those. But, yeah, I think I think that, uh, you know, we pretty much went through that. I mean, I, ho- I hope you were able to follow along through our, our ramblings. But that's, you know, that's the way that the hunt played out just – just in a sense of it, it wasn't all this hard research and all this stuff. It was, and it wasn't like gut feeling, but it was just like, I knew that the bucks were out and I knew that that's was my best opportunity where I knew that there was going to be deer. And when we get uncle Frank back on here, he should have killed, uh, you know, pretty decent eight point that same morning. Um, but he couldn't, <laughs> He flubbed it. He, he kind of flubbed it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, we'll get him on here to um, kind of redeem himself or to, to kind of re- have a rebuttal on any of these things that uh, we, we kind of slandered him on. And that's all we've got for this week. But like I said, you know, let us know if there's anything that, you know, you guys want to hear about or, or anything we can do for you because we'll certainly um, do our best to do anything that we can uh, for you. For us, if you like what we're doing – you know, tell a friend, tell somebody else, leave us a review. Um, all those things definitely help us out. But, uh, you know, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with something else. Give a little shout-out to Jim. I have, I'll definitely get your strings done next week. So After he gets back from Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. See you. Yeah.
and sit down.